Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now, here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How's Your Father podcast. I am... Quite, I'm pretty much now my audience base really expect top quality guests and I've been delivering all the time and today I'm delivering again because I have none other than comedian, actor and television presenter, Mr Ed Petrie. Hello Ed. Hello Johnny. You get a round of applause for me. That's about the start. That's a much kind of hype I can give you right now. That's, that's pretty man. much what I'm used to in these dark days. <laughs> Is that what your inner monologue sounds like? One man clapping right Basically, now? Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got out of bed this morning, one man clapping. Yeah, you go me. <laughs> it was just you in the mirror, yeah? Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, Ed, um, in case you didn't know, uh, I set up this podcast as I am a new father and I thought considering some of the challenges that I faced and I knew there were going to be challenges don't get me wrong but they were also a little unexpected when they did come because you don't know how they come I thought what a great opportunity to speak to other fathers and see how that they've uh, dealt with those challenges and just open that conversation so first of all you are you are a dad Uh, how many children do you have I have two children boy and a girl and what ages uh, my lad is five and the little lady is three. Oh, okay, good stuff. So you're through yes. the difficult sleeping period, which I'm uh, struggling with at the moment. Yeah, well, how old's yours now? Uh, Leon is nine months old, so... Nah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what he does when I try and get him to sleep. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Yeah, the, that's, I found, yeah, two, two and a half years, that was that was the struggle. I mean, what, what's getting me is that, like, obviously you expect that all, all kids are going to have their own personalities and... and I've been quite uh, amazed at how early the germ of personality is imparted on the individual because he really is showing his character already. But it's, you know, how babies have different quirks with different things. Like my niece doesn't want to eat at all, but my son loves eating but will not sleep and she sleeps all the time. Did you find that with both your children they had like kind of really different kind of unique qualities and uh, demands? Yeah, well, my so when my son was born, he was quite a bad sleeper and he had reflux and all that stuff, and it was quite hellish. Uh, and then when my daughter was born, it was completely weird. She slept through the night, so you'd put her down at eight and she'd sleep till like seven. 
Oh, which wow. is unheard of. And I, I think possibly not even uh, medically recommended. <laughs> I think they're supposed <laughs> to get certain amounts of feeds throughout the night. But we, we were just like, this is amazing. And she was like that for like three or four months. Uh, and we just lapped it up and then it all went to pieces and she started waking up like eight, nine times a night. Yeah, you, d- you don't want to chase that away, do you, to be honest? You're like, oh, oh it was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping like she's been working night shifts. Uh, yeah. I actually got sleep. both both my kids. I got a sleep trainer in the end. My mum heard about a friend of a friend who lived up in Yorkshire, and she she helped you with like sleep training over the over the phone. So you had like like little couple of little meetings with her, and she gave you like a little plan to do. Is this um, the ones that cost a fortune? though? it was two hundred quid, and it was the best two hundred pounds I've ever ever spent. If that was the last two hundred pounds in my bank account, it would still have been money worth spending it revolutionized <laughs> our lives and and it was so mild what we had to do and within two nights they were sleeping through the night it was incredible it was she was like jesus to me this woman did she like was it was it like almost hypnotic the way that she could get in and understand the situation and just get the babies to just switch off i think what it was was you've got somebody talking sense who like if one of you reads a book and you go, oh, we should do this, and the other one might not agree, and it's very hard as a, as parents sometimes to get a consensus about exactly what it is you should be doing, especially when you're both at the end of your tether with sleep deprivation. So it's quite nice just having someone going, no, this is the plan, and you both go, oh, all right, and you nod obediently. Um, and it was very much like we just had, I just had to like be in the room while they were going to sleep, and if they cried, sort of go, shh. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but not much. And uh, she said it could take up to 10 days. And she she guaranteed that we'd, she'd have the kids sleeping. And she did. And I've passed her uh, email on to about a thousand friends now <laughs> <laughs> who are all extremely grateful. And it all worked with them as well. So, Do you, do you know, my, yeah. um, my mate, another friend of mine, had a sleep trainer. She cost about a grand all oh in. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Punchy. But he also was like, if it... I would spend it again. Like he's changed oh, yeah. our lives. I would have spent, and, yeah, I would have spent ten thousand pounds. Well, the, the this is the thing, right? He he basically sent me over the plan because my son's been having trouble with sleeping for a long time. Um, so he sent me over the plan that he used, and now because it's around the separation anxiety, which for any uh, parents that are listening to this who are kind of got kids at a younger age and you soon find out that before you have kids you're like all oh, right they're a baby then they grow up they just get bigger and then this just happens you know but then you find out when you're actually a parent that there's loads of these weird stages their kids go through at loads of different junctures and we're at the nine month separation anxiety point where just as you were kind of mentioning if we leave the room he goes absolutely mental. He's, he's like, where are they going forever? You know, so yeah. um, so basically in the plan, it was like, oh, um, just stay in the room with him when he's going to sleep. So I've just saved a grand. Yeah. Pretty much that's <laughs> it, you know. And yeah. I, everyone listening, I'm going to save you a grand, people. At around nine months, just stay in the room while they go to sleep and then get out when they go to sleep, you know, so. And the other top tip, which... It's so simple when you know it, is when they start crying, just wait for a little bit before you go in. And, oh, that's and that, because they learn, they need to learn how to put themselves back to sleep again. And if you leave it like three or four minutes, half the time they just, or even more than half the time, they just go back to sleep. And then we realised like we just made a complete rod for our own backs, just diving in every second. I think that's 100% what has happened in our household. It's, yeah. Um, there's a. Uh, 
been such a sensitivity to whenever there's tears and stuff that there is no way of my son actually calming himself. Um, and at this stage, kind of the damage is done. So we're dealing with new problems with his sleep anyway. So uh, it's, a, it's a very good point. We are full of great advice right there now. There you go. He's dead listening. Now, Ed, sleep trainers out of business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, to be honest, comedians, TV presenters, we might be looking for a new trade after the yeah. apocalypse <laughs> has just ensued. So if you do want to hire me and Ed to sleep train your kids, I've got nine months of getting no sleep experience. Um, so, yeah, happy to help. We've obviously uh, met uh, quite a while ago now, but we've... Um, one of the ways that we've uh, come into contact quite a lot is via children's TV. We've both worked on children's TV. You've worked on a number of programmes, and um, in particular, we've bonded over a show called All Over the Place that you are the main host of. Um, yeah. N- now, you, uh, well, it's fair to say, as I've done it as well, you would have had to have travelled a hell of a lot um, for the show. If you haven't checked it out, check out All Over the Place on iPlayer and YouTube. Great, great show. Um, but when you are travelling around, um, talk to me about that, uh, the kind of demands that that has placed on you in terms of being a father and whether you, whether or not you feel like you've perhaps even missed out on certain key moments or whether you think that it's weirdly helped in some aspects or whatnot yeah just talk to me about your experiences of that yeah well it was uh yeah i've been doing it 10 years now and the first four years i didn't have kids so i did two years going around the uk then did a uh i mean it wasn't the entire year the show was about takes about three and a half months to film and then i went to the usa that was quite fun my wife came out for a little holiday in between and stuff oh yeah great um and then I went to America, uh, to Australia. That was a bit. That was a bit tougher because I was out there for three and a half months. And I didn't come home, but I flew my wife out. Who they, she uh, She was my wife by that point. Yeah. And yeah, she got to fly her out after a month for a little holiday then as well, which made it a bit more bearable. And then my son came along, and then I did. After that, I did two years in Europe, two years in Asia, and then another two years in the UK. We went back around the UK again. That was a lot tougher as soon as he came along. Cause, because uh, I just disappear for <laughs> a fortnight to three weeks and leave my wife on her own. <laughs> Which uh, we do filming blocks, so we do about six or seven filming blocks each series. So it was extremely tough on her. She was on maternity leave for a year both times, uh, but I mean, she I, I I basically put her in a situation where she was a single mum. Um, right. Yeah. So, so there's so, so when, lots of com- we've had lots of conversations that, that involve sentences like "You don't know what it's like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I can understand that for sure. Um, so what? So in terms of your son, uh, when you when you when you first became a father, what age were was he when you first start, like were going away filming? Like was this from you know straight away when he was very very young? You were off away filming, or was it? Um, something that came in, you know, when he was a, a fair few months old. Well, he was. Uh, well, my wife had a had a summer where I was away a lot, and she was heavily pregnant, and she was still working as well. So that was quite a struggle. Then he was born in October, and then I went back out filming again in about June. Right. So he was kind of about eight eight months old. So yeah, kind of the stage you're at. So right. Can you imagine abandoning your partner for 
for months on end. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'd, right love, now. I'd love to. I'd love to, but uh, I just need the offer. If anyone is listening right now wants to send me to Australia for a while from work. Um, no, because the reason why I find this really interesting as well, because, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, they might not be TV presenters and be going away for that, but there will be plenty of dads out there that um have to work within the constraints of working away different countries you know um doing business in different countries and they will have to leave their young children for prolonged periods and that is a uh, issue that a lot of dads up and down the country will be and around the world will be facing and how they square it so it's it's a subject that you know um is 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 definitely worth kind of diving into and yeah. uh those kind of um again constraints placed on the uh, father and the emotional kind of toll it might take of being away so when 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 you did start having to go away what kind of i mean obviously you mentioned there was that kind of uh friction between partners of like oh you don't understand but also were you finding that your children might have uh grown like felt a bit distant to you is that how you felt with them i mean facetime was amazing like i facetimed every single day so he was really used to to my face and my voice. Um, and I suppose what was qu- probably quite annoying for my wife in a way is she'd look after, she'd be looking after him solidly for two or three weeks. Then I'd rock up and he'd be pretty excited to see me actually. And uh, she'd be like persona non grata for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd be like, oh, thanks a lot, mate. I've just been tending to her every need. And then he'd be like, hey, daddy, just be touching my face and like fascinated to see me again. Um, I suppose I was like this magical man he was seeing on a laptop screen once or twice a day, you know. Yeah, so, and, and then what, what what I tried to sell to my wife was, well, well, I'm not, you know, I know it's great that I'm not around, but I was in a lucky position where I, you know, but I've been, I've been away and then I kind of earned enough money that I didn't have to worry too much about work for a couple of months when I got back. So I could spend, I could make up for it by spending more quality time so i'd be saying like well when you think about it if you if you spread the time out over a year i've spent the same amount of time with him as i as i would have done if i was a normal commuting dad uh but yeah she didn't necessarily agree with that uh (laughs) (laughs) that point i was trying to make but i completely understand what you're saying though yeah you know if you if you do it on a relative basis like you know the time spread out so so in terms of um your kind of setup uh with parenting you were doing it in those chunks then where you would be away but then you'd have those um kind of concentrated pe- uh, periods where you were very present and yeah, around yeah. and having to kind of do like in intense dadding is that the kind of setup that was uh that yeah you and, think, and thinking to myself oh i'm really making up for all that time while i was away when you're not really because it's not nice to be abandoned for weeks on your own with a kid you know if i look at some a dad who is constantly having to be away like they constantly have to go to business trips on hong kong throughout the year or something that's a very different kettle of fish and also you, you know what it's like being freelance performers sometimes you just can't help the work literally isn't there for you so you do have just periods of you know like an old lovey actor resting oh absolutely um, yeah know, know that well yeah <laughs> know that very so, well yeah yeah so i just a try and enjoy the positives which is oh i get to hang out with my son who i didn't see for ages Oh, that's the best thing about it, isn't it? Now, now I'm a dad, you know, all those periods where there was anxiety as a self-employed person where, oh, don't ever want to get work. Now I'm just a very doting parent. Uh, yeah. Just around, yeah, just <laughs> working hard with my son, that's all. <laughs> Rather than, oh, no, I'm not working at the moment. But um, and what do you feel like, if anything, you missed out on 
during those periods where you were having to be away for quite some time. The thing I missed out on was also the thing, it was also weirdly a thing I gained as well. So I'd go away, I'd come back three weeks later and there'd be a new baby in the house. Like the, okay. the rate they yours? grow at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a different colour. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, the rate they grow at was just phenomenal. Um, so you would, you'd, you'd see him, there'd be a little bit of sadness, like, oh God, I've missed out on... You could actually see the time you've missed physically in front of you when you realise right. he's that much bigger. But then also, that was also quite amazing because it made me appreciate how... If, if you are with them all the time, you um, it can slip by you without you really noticing, you know. Can you notice the uh, the optimistic positive spin I always tried to put on every aspect of not being there for my children? <laughs> but is that is that something that even that you've just said, like the optimistic spin, is that something that you've kind of had to forge over those years of working away where you've had to kind of go, well, this is it. You know, obviously, you know, you don't necessarily just choose to do it. Work every, every well, not every father, but the fathers that do work have to work. You know, that is an aspect of parenting. Yeah. So, you know, it's not necessarily that you choose to be away all the time. You've had to work and then you're just kind of like, this is the situation, so let's make the most of it. Do you feel like you've been forced to... Uh, kind of sell that to yourself as well as your partner. Yeah, definitely. And your kids. Yeah, I think there's a bit of self delusion probably involved in it. And we're in a very weird situation where my wife is a professional. She's got like a PhD. She's a social researcher. She's got a proper job. But I am more money than her. But I've got a stupid job, which is really unpredictable. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a weird situation to be in, where really she should be the be be the be the. Uh, Kind of bread It'd be better if it was the other way around, in a way, because I'm kind of more flexible. So you just got to deal with it. Very similar situation at our end as well. I was listening to some. I was listening to some guy who was he was talking to his uh, one of he had like a son who was in his early twenties, and I heard them chatting with the dad saying, "God, there's no way I could have survived being at home with you when you were a little kid." And I was standing behind them thinking, "I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about bad planning. A five-year-old and a three-year-old, and then the biggest pandemic in a hundred years." <laughs> <laughs> there will be uh, a lot of dads who were out working loads and then suddenly they're having to realise that parenting close quarters can demand a lot of different things. And what what would you say uh, has been the biggest eye-opener for you now that you are kind of locked in that close quarters? Because obviously it is a challenge, but what, what particularly uh, is so difficult with a five and a three-year-old right now in, in indoors? Oh, uh <sighs> Just trying to find something that occupies both of them at the same time is absolutely mind-bending. Um, I mean, he, my son's in his first year at school. He's in reception, so I was meant to be homeschooling him with a three-year-old in the room as well. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> if, if if I was a schooler and Ostead had been, I'd be shut down immediately. <laughs> Are you going to start getting a plaque outside your house like the schools have with your Ofsted report? <laughs> yeah, in special measures. <laughs> Yeah, I was just, yeah, and, and 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 I was really appalled at myself, like, because I I I did an arts degree and and I used to love all the arty stuff at school, and I thought I'd be like, you know, learning how to home bake and doing loads of craft stuff with them, and that was all out of the window, and and I got them an iPad, and <laughs> yeah, I was just absolutely appalled at myself. And in terms of your kids, uh, your children's kind of attention span for what you were maybe trying to teach them during homeschooling, have you found that that has dipped over the longer the period's gone on? Have they gone from more like class A students to, you know, the Fonzies of class just kind of... Yeah, well, 
Am- am- amazingly, the uh, so it, so his, I, I, I'm so thankful to his teacher because on the last day, just before the lockdown, I said, oh, I'm really worried about this homeschooling. And she went, oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. Chill, chill, chill. Do as little or as much as you want. It doesn't matter. And we'll pick it all up when you get back. So I was like, brilliant. I've got a free pass. <laughs> so I just kept telling myself that all the time when he was just refusing to sit down and do any homework. And I got an iPad and I got this game which she'd mentioned to me actually called Teach Your Monster How to Read. And I, oh my God, it was amazing. And I'd just sit there looking over his shoulder while he played it and chip in occasionally. And he's gone back to school with better phonics and reading than all the kids whose parents were like forcing them down at the kitchen table for four or five hours a day. Uh, my, yeah, his teacher was telling me that, his, that he's, got, he's got some of the best phonics and reading than anyone in the class. <laughs> wow. And you're there just going, well, that was all me. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, saved by the iPad. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so your three-year-old is still at home and having to be occupied. No, she's gone back to nursery. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, oh, it's it's a real mind-bender. We were going to lose the nursery place if she didn't go back. So she's there. I mean, I'm sure they're all going to be riddled with disease in a few weeks' time. I really don't know if it's the right thing or not. They're all licking each other's faces. and <laughs> Take her in there like, what are we doing? But... Everyone else seems to be doing it, so you just sort of go along with it. I guess it will be all right, hopefully, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, no, so the last two weeks I've actually suddenly had some time back to myself and it's completely disorientating and I don't know what to do. I was reading Roald Dahl stories on the internet every morning to sort of make me feel like I was still doing my proper job because all my work just evaporated. In a, I was meant to be working like right up to the end of summer, that's all gone. I had a panto that was probably going to be happening, that's gone as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm just standing, sitting here in a bit of a daze, wondering what to do now. There's no children in the house. <laughs> How do you feel about it in terms of whether the the potential damage to be done by staying off versus the health concerns of going? How, how do you square that away? And has it changed the longer this lockdown has gone on? Well, we're quite we're quite lucky because we've got quite a lot of doctors and things in the family. So. Um, <laughs> on my wife's side, not mine. <laughs> she's got she's got the clever side. So uh, yeah, like my father-in-law, he's a retired doctor, and uh, she's got a couple of other people involved in medical stuff, and so they're pretty good at evaluating risk and all the rest of it. So we just I, we just talked to them and go, "What do you think?" And they said, "I'd keep him in school." So I was like, "That's good enough for me." Oh, ideal, right? Give me that iPad. Don't worry, yeah. I've te- taught you how to read monster. Now back in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also maybe some adults need to also weigh up their own sanity. People who suffer de- from depression and stuff like that, you, you have to take that into, into the equation as well, I think. It has been a great strain on a lot of people having to do do it all themselves and they might they might need the load lightning i completely agree it's cumulative the stress that you're being placed under and after a while it's it's getting harder rather than you being expected to do something on any given day that's more than the days that you've previously done it's just yeah but this is you know the 150th time i've done it now you know because it's all in one go and also another thing another thing worth taking into the equation is that uh kids are social animals as well and they've really been craving like my daughter's just been over the moon to be back in nursery she was so excited and the first day of school when my son was back to a couple weeks ago he uh he ran into our bedroom at seven o'clock in the morning in his full school uniform shouting, it's school today. (laughs) I was like, wow, this has never happened in the history of school ever. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're looking for a sponsor to help get the How's Your Father podcast to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show, as well as a promotional trailer, means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of ACAST's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with the How's Your Father podcast. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. Now, you mentioned to me as well that you are a bilingual household. Yeah. And your wife speaks French, is that is that correct? Yeah, she is French. Yeah, she's from Normandy. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been together 12 years now. Uh, still can't speak French. After about a year of being with her, I was like, I think this is serious. I better start learning French. And I'm just appalling at it. And I think the kids have kind of picked up on it because they understand if she speaks them in French. She doesn't speak them in English. And they they understand every word she says, but they don't speak French back to her. They're kind of like little Nigel Farage's. <laughs> <laughs> My son gets positively angry when we try and make him like listen to French, uh, you know, songs <laughs> or watch French TV. No, not in French. <laughs> yeah, all right, Nigel, calm down. <laughs> that that's that's quite fascinating. So, did you have to have that conversation as to whether you what you what like native tongue you would speak in the household or or does it is it something that just happens naturally like did you make the concerted effort to try and get your kids to be able to be bilingual yeah well we could have made more of an effort like there's a there's a uh there's a kid in class who's got a, a, a who's, who's got a russian mum and she she uh she refuses to acknowledge what her children are saying unless they speak to her in russian <laughs> Which is pretty harsh. Help, but, Mum! Uh, help me! I, I, I'm in peril. Knit, knit. <laughs> in Russian. But uh, yeah, it worked amazingly, and they speak fluent Russian. It's incredible. Uh, and he can't speak a word of French because we, because uh, my wife couldn't bring herself to do that. Um, but but we did. But she has she has got lots of European friends, obviously, and and we had kids a little bit later than a lot of them, and they they all did the speaking to them in the one language and the other and it worked we could see it was working really well for 
for friends of ours. So that's what we did. So there wasn't really much discussion about it, really. It was a bit of a no-brainer. They get to learn French for free. There's no effort on their part. I'm really jealous because already my wife will just go, and then the kids answer her back in English. And I'm like, oh, God, I didn't understand that. And my daughter's three. We're, we're starting to work out where your son's Nigel Farage aspect comes from. Because yeah. you're just like, my wife's talking. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Less of that, please. A bit of English. Well, no, actually, for me, it sounds more like when I listen to my wife speaking with her family, it sounds more like blah, 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 chair blah, 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 <laughs> yesterday blah, 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 over there. Oh, um, yeah. So you got the key keywords out of something. Yeah. But it's not my fault. I've tried everything. I've done. I've, I've spent a fortune on like Rosetta Stone CDs, Michelle Thomas. I've tried everything. I've got to do. I've got a thing called Babbel at the moment that I've shelled out for on my phone. I try and do French lessons and that every day. And uh, I even I had some I had I went to like proper French lessons in a class at the beginning of the year. And uh, and everyone was t- saying how long they've been learning French. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've been I've been learning French for 11 years and I live with a, a French wife. And the teacher was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like, oh, no, this is not good at all. Oh, you should be fluent by now. I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for the confidence boost. To be honest, in the school I went to, I went into a I went to a comprehensive in uh, a town in Essex, which no longer exists. I mean, it's always difficult when... What, when did, you, Ofsted, what did you do to it, Johnny? <laughs> well, this is it. I, I literally left, and within a few years, Ofsted went, no, this school is is producing... It's like, you know, when... Got, <laughs> it's like, producing people like Johnny Cochran. Shut it, it down. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, when they reclaim, like, washing machine models because they're faulty? Uh, it's like, that's <laughs> what they've done to my school. They've said, these people that are being produced are not good enough. So... Like the way that we were kind of applying ourselves in French classes, I I have left. I did a French GCSE, and the only phrases I remember now are ones where they sound like swearing in English. So, yeah. Je suis allé le pissing. I remember yeah. pissing. <laughs> so oh, I know yeah, we would to, love pissing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know how to say I'm going to the swimming pool. Doesn't come in handy very often, but no. It, you know, reminds me of swearing. That was all that we could do. So. We all knew you had to say enculé as well. That was, oh, uh, enculé, yeah. Yeah, enculé. Yeah. <laughs> Tag girl. <laughs> Those are um, the first things I learned. Do you feel like your children feel that they are British or French or like citizen yeah. of, of the world, dare I say? Yeah, they're just starting to embrace it. I bring just- this up because of obviously... With the Brexit vote recently, you know, well, I say like in recent memory and stuff, was that conversations that were being had within your household? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that whole thing was heartbreaking for us because uh, we live in southeast London uh, and my in-laws live in Normandy, about an hour and a half drive from the Channel Tunnel. So we could just pop in the car an hour, hop, on, hop in the tunnel, be at their house within three and a half hours. You know, it took less time than getting to Sheffield. So, to me, it didn't feel any different from going to Scotland, Wales, Ireland, anywhere, you know. After sure. after one or two trips to see her parents, it just seemed like the most simple, normal thing in the world. So, to, to have all these barriers suddenly being put up and, and to have a different passport for the rest of my family, I feel like such a lemon. Everyone's got dual nationality now, apart from me. I just and feel like an idiot. And you've put so much effort in to learn French as well. Like- I know! <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, the uh, annoyingly is because I'm married to a French person, I can get for French citizenship. I just have to pass this French language exam that is utterly <laughs> beyond me. So I could get my EU citizenship back if I could just learn French. It's the, so annoying. Coolie, coolie, je suis le pisse. <laughs> no, I heard you blagging this, mate. <laughs> yeah, just walk into the French embassy. Enculé! 
<laughs> oh, je is... je voudrais un passport, man. No, I'm too late. <laughs> oh, dear. So, so on that note, though, um, as I was saying about, like, your kind of children's, uh, like, perception... Their identity, how identity. they perceive themselves. Yeah, yeah they perceive themselves... Uh, they're just starting to perceive themselves as half French, half British now, I think. Um, my son's uh, finally come around to the idea... Because not, not only was he extremely rude about French, he was extremely rude to French people as well. So my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, don't speak English, and it used to infuriate him when he was little. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> you know, At five years old, I can just imagine a little Nigel Farage going over there to his own grandparents. Just be, In English, mate, come yeah, on! Well, he's just starting to become a bit more tolerant now. He's now, he's now more mature than Nigel Farage, but... Uh, <laughs> But when he was like, when he was starting to learn how to speak and everything, you know, he'd speak to me and he gets a reply. He'd speak to them and they wouldn't understand what he said and he would get visibly angry. And he and he then he decided he didn't like them. And for, for a solid, <laughs> for a solid couple of years, he would just be so rude to their faces. And he'd, and he'd say things like, "Their English isn't great, but they do understand sentences like I don't like her." <laughs> <laughs> She'd say something in French and he'd go, "I don't like her." <laughs> and then the most wonderful grandparents they would just be they bring him like massive presents of lego and all sorts of stuff and they just absolutely dote on him and cooking him his favorite food and all this stuff i don't like her <laughs> his favorite food let me guess fish and chips roast yeah, oh yes of course <laughs> none of that foreign muck uh where's this beef from <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting though isn't it your, your son's not obviously five but it's not an old age but do you feel like perception like national identity and like kind of uh, a children's uh, perception of where they fit in the world is starting to become really uh, front of mind for the children of this generation? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they would have ended up in this headspace if the world wasn't going the way it was. But he's just starting to get, uh, I think, a bit, a little bit of pride that he's he's a bit different to other people. I think they quite enjoy the fact they're half one thing, half the other. Because, you know, you know, kids want to stand out and be exceptional. And so, and we shower praise on them every time they do something French or we manage to force a French word out of them. So I think they feel like it makes them more interesting little people. They started to, they started to say things like, my grandma's French and things like that. You can tell they're, they're proud of it now. Um, oh, he, he started, to, started to warm to her, yeah? <laughs> I actually yeah, just, like her now. Well, what actually, what, actually, what actually happened was my daughter, she's very emotionally intelligent and she realised that he wasn't winning any, uh, you know, he wasn't winning people over in, on the French side of the family. So she's been nothing but charming to all of them. And uh, I think he started to realise that she was getting more attention than him. So he's he's toned it down a bit now. He's just keeping his xenophobic prejudice quiet <laughs> these days. <laughs> he, he, knows, he knows the kind of crowds that that stuff slides in, yeah? Like South East London school, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the weird thing about having dual nationality in the family is you you have this extra option. Like, if we, were, if, we were, if we were stuck in this country and we all had British passports, you'd just have to make the best of it. But we do actually have, a, we have an escape route. So sure, shank redemption. <laughs> dig our own channel tunnel out. But you have sort of got one eye on the continent all the time, thinking, well, if things if things become noticeably better over here and they're getting noticeably worse on this side, as a parent, I'd feel bad bringing my kids up on the wrong side of the tracks. And then you start to think maybe we should jump ship. So there is there is this sort of constant just keeping one eye on one part of the world and one on the other. 
of course, again, the big hindrance is me because I can't speak French because I'm an idiot. Uh, so it would all bank on my wife getting some amazing job where she can earn twice as so much money as she does now and then I could just um, sit around smoking French rollies and drinking <laughs> wine. Um, if, if, um, so obviously your oldest child's five now. So in terms of your experience all the way through as a father, what has been the most challenging period uh, in either of your children's kind of development up until this stage? Is there is there a stage that they went through that was kind of maybe caught you off guard? Well, so, so something I didn't realise, I don't know whether you found this, but I, I had it in my head before I had kids. And something it's really taught me about life, actually, is that I always thought development was linear. So I just thought they get, they learn how to do something, they get better, they move on to the next thing, and gradually they just walk up that staircase of life. And... Uh, and I, I was kind of stunned to realise that actually it's not like that at all, and it's more like a wiggly line. And then you, you, they find you finally think they've cracked something, and you're like, ah, oh, brilliant! You know, they've learned how to go to the toilet. And then two weeks later, they're just pooing in their pants again. You go, oh god, what's happened? And and uh, and I've realised that the, the that life is like that as an adult as well. You know, you don't just learn something and you've nailed it, and then that's that. Like if you don't keep on top of it, it slides, and you. Uh, so that came as something of a surprise to me, and it it continues to frustrate me when I think they've got they've grasped something, and then two months later they've forgotten it again. Obviously, you've worked in kids TV, uh, comedian, but ge in general a performer either way. Some would say, or from the outside, you might be in a perfect position to be a parent, as you are a you know you've been a children's performer. Do yeah. you did you? find that that was the case you had uh, an increased level of skill to be able to help you when it came to parenting or were there things that would again just kind of caught you off guard and, and you weren't ready for it well people i have had people say to me like oh it must be so much fun for your kids in your house and i'm like nope <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like if you're a builder they're someone like oh you must be just building walls all the time just building stuff you're like nope I'd come home and i want to put my feet up uh yeah so uh you know it's not a non-stop it's not it's not like pat sharp's funhouse constantly <laughs> <laughs> the kids are just like i'm having the best time ever um <laughs> But my wife, oh, my wife seems to think I'm a good dad, which is nice to hear. You know, I just, I just look at what I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, this is atrocious. I really thought I'd be better at this, but other people seem to think I'm doing all right. So I, I try and listen to them and ignore the critic in my head. Sorry, I got a bit distracted now. I'm now thinking about how Pat Sharp might be raising these kids. You know, they're just throwing <laughs> buckets of gunge in their face constantly. <laughs> they're probably Morning, sleep kids sleeping in a ball pond. Uh, <laughs> Get go to school in one of the go karts, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, two se two sexy twins walking around the house constantly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Making um, the kids feel a bit bit weird. Uh, what would you say, like, if there are some dads maybe listening who almost don't feel that that I don't I don't know kind of um, child friendly kind of playful side comes naturally to them? How do how, what would you, what kind of advice might you give them to try and Lure that childish fun side out of them. Uh, I mean, fancy dress is a very easy way to engage with your kids because you just put a silly hat on. You could be as stony-faced as you like and just put put random stuff on that they bring you or, you know, walk into their room wearing something you wouldn't normally wear. They'll, they'll think you're absolutely hilarious. So that's a very easy way to 
engage with the kids with minimal effort. <laughs> I guess it's just coming out of your normal comfort zone. And if you put a silly hat on, it shows that you're in silly mode. Yeah. So... Oh, I'm a fun guy. Look at me. I've got a silly hat on. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ed, we do save a little feature at the end of the podcast for each guest to give one kind of concerted bit of advice for the dads listening in a feature we call Get Your Tips Out for the Dads. Yes, okay. I've, well, I've listened to your, I have listened to your podcast and uh, I want you to do the song. So do okay. it. Do <laughs> it I'm going to find Get your tips out. Get <laughs> your tips out. Get your tips out for the dads. Ed. Well, this is for the newer dads. We Because my wife is quite academically minded and she's got a PhD and stuff. And I quite like being told what to do by people who know better. We bought a whole stack of pregnancy and baby books and it did not help when the baby came along because we were just constantly diving into all these different books with conflicting advice and getting really twisted up about what we should and shouldn't be doing and trying to draw up schedules and all this sort of stuff and buying way too much equipment. And my mother-in-law came to stay after a few weeks and she got all the books and threw them into the spare room and told us we weren't allowed to look at them. And it was such a release. We, we did we did sneak one out, which was called Week by Week. And it was just had like a page and a half of advice for each week of the baby's life as it, as it grew up during the first year. And we just referred to that each week. I just read like a page and a half and go, oh, that would do. And, and then we actually then engaged with our the child we had in front of us rather than looking for advice that didn't fit. And uh, so the second time around, it was so much easier just not reading books. That is fantastic. I, I like that as well. Absolutely. Like not parenting by numbers, responding to your child. Because I think that's been such a fascinating thing for myself as well, in terms of my experience. Before you get become a parent, you're like, but how am I actually going to do it? But when people say you just know or you just learn and respond to your child, it is a, a truism. You do... Yeah, you, you naturally have a bond, and that's how that bond builds up. You respond to each other, call and response, and I think that's a fantastic bit of advice, Ed. Yeah, and I'd, I'd also like looking at friends of ours who were going through it at the same time, and you'd notice that like quite often the people who were doing best were just the people who were just rolling with it and letting the baby dictate. You know, I think for the first six months, just just relax, just whatever the baby wants, just do it. It makes like, everyone's life easier. <laughs> Stop trying to fit them into the. The, the box you think they should be should be in and just respond to what they want and you'll have a you'll have a lovely time that is perfect um, and then blow 200 pounds on a sleep trainer and <laughs> get your sanity back <laughs> there we go ed petrie thank you so much for coming on the how to father podcast you've been a wonderful guest um can you oh, it's lovely let our listeners know where they might find you or uh, different things you might be doing that you can share Oh, yeah, I know. You, you'll find me uh, unemployed in my house is where you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my TV show's been put back till February at the moment, so... Uh, Just so I know, is that at unemployed in my house? Yeah, that's your Instagram? Yeah, that's, the, that's it, yeah, yeah. No, I'm on, t- I'm, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Ed Petrie, if you want to see me um, ranting about the state of the world, or if you want to see pictures of all the jammy stuff i got to do traveling the world that's on my my instagram you know usual stuff the, the, the show i was supposed to be filming at the moment is called marrying mum and dad where kids organize their parents wedding that's worth checking out on iplayer it's quite good fun and i'm also a wedding celebrant as well so uh, if anyone wants to get married google me and um when this is all over i can i can marry you <laughs> there you go people get married by ed Petrie. i love there it there you go ed thanks very much for coming on and sharing your experience Cheers, Johnny. Loved it.
Earlier in part one, Ed and I discussed sleep trainers. You can find some further reading on understanding how babies sleep in this week's episode notes. See you next time. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.